Hey, hi, hello. We here at Wonderbinge wanted to show our appreciation for all of your support by doing a super fun and easy promotion. The first 30 people to give Wonderbinge a five-star rating and review on iTunes or Stitcher will not only receive our never-ending gratitude, but you will also receive a free Wonderbinge sticker. We know that many people love knowing a little bit about a lot, so we want to expand our audience to reach more curious ears. Please show your support by clicking the link in the description for your convenience and rate and review Wonder Binge Podcast. Just send a screenshot of your rating to wonderbingepod at gmail.com along with your mailing address and help us grow while also supporting the USPS. Thanks, friends! I said guys instead of friends. I fucked it up, oh no! Oh, I don't need these headphones in my ears. We're surfing! Right in! There's not a wave in the ocean that we can't surf! <laughs> How did we do oh, that? Oh my god, yes. Wow. Surf's up three. The Awakening. I don't know. <laughs> hey there. Hey. And welcome to the Wonder Binge Podcast. Thank you. <laughs> Let's talk about some shit, you know? I don't even know if there's two surf's ups. I don't know what's going there, on. There's one surf's up? Oh, that's right. Wasn't that a Disney Channel original? I don't know. I have Disney Plus now. I can check. If anyone has Disney Plus or has been given the password or whatever for the purposes of watching Hamilton, first of all, hell yeah, watch Hamilton. But also watch the two um, interviews that they have on there because a lot of it is how Hamilton relates to the current climate regarding Black Lives Matter movement and everything. No way. And it's actually very interesting to see the, the cast and creators remark on that seeing as... Almost the entire cast is black individuals and people of color. Yeah, and Latino. So, yeah. yeah. Um, I was yeah. thinking about that when it's I was watching it. It's actually super interesting, their uh, their interviews. So yeah, there's two of those on there. So if you have Disney+, Plus, watch Hamilton and then watch both of those interviews because they're really good. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. I recently saw an artist rendition of Lightning McQueen if you were a fuckboy and oh my god. What does that mean? Like a hu- like a, a drawing oh. of Lightning McQueen as a human and he was a total fuckboy. Oh, of course. Yeah. Obviously. It's Owen Wilson. Of course he's a fuckboy. <laughs> wow. That was a bad wow. I'm sorry. Wow. No. And Owen Wilson, wow. What's wrong with you? Wow. <laughs> Don't you mean... Good job. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm quitting. Should we create a new segment where every episode I read one band name off of my list of band names? Yeah, let's start the segment right now. What do you got? Should I just work my way down the list or should I randomize it? Work your way down. Okay. Yeah, I want to know the very first one. Socks in the top drawer. And do you remember why? Because uh, there was a discussion happening where... We were talking about where we keep our socks, and I don't know. Someone said socks in the top drawer. I think I said that. You said that, and I was like, that's weird. I probably said something to the effect of I keep my socks in the top drawer. I keep then... my socks in a stolen Wawa crate <laughs> on a shelf in my wardrobe. You've got <laughs> stolen sock cargo. <laughs> I have, yeah, I've got, a, I've got a cargo crate of socks, and boy oh boy do I need more socks. No, you don't. It's overflowing. It is overflowing. But also I need to get rid of some socks that... Why are they in there? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. We're bad at banter right now. Sorry. We're so bad at banter We're really tired because if you listened to 
la- I wanted to say last week's episode, but we upload these every two weeks. Ev- just say last episode. In last episode, we were all the fuck over the place. <laughs> we were so scatterbrained. Uh, we finished recording that, had some snackies, and now we're just tired. <laughs> but hey, it's my turn, so I'm going to liven things up with As some fun facts. Some exciting extras. You know what we should do, Maria? What? Uh, announce the podcast name, because that's a thing you should do. They can read. <laughs> I'm kidding. Hi, welcome you know to Waterman. <laughs> <laughs> I actually read recently, make sure you have a consistent opening. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> oh, by the way, sorry, I didn't pass gas. That was the squeaky futon, the infamous squeaky futon. <laughs> Is this going to be a running thing? You just talking about the squeaky futon? By the way, this is Wonder Binge. I'm Maria. I'm Jenna. This is Wonder Binge. <laughs> still Wonder Binge, and I'm still Jenna. Hey, we suck at this. <laughs> <laughs> why are we? Why are we have a podcast? It's why are we doing so this? Fun. Listen, I like talking to you. You're a good friend, and Aww. I enjoy having conversations with you. But hey, welcome to Coronaverse, where nothing happens in my life. So the only way I can talk to you for an extended period of time is if I'm teaching you about something that I did three hours of research of before we played D&D. Oh, you're really prepared. And then I got food poisoning and I was sad. Now I'm happy again. <laughs> Yo, so what are you gonna, what are you tell me about today? Jenna, I have a question for you. You're starting with a question. I'm starting with a question. Do you dare to resist drugs and violence? I mean, I dare to resist violence. I mean, yes. Yes, I do. I do dare. Today we're talking about dare. We're talking about dare. We're talking about dare. Like literally, like the pro, like the the, the school the program. Dare, the dare program. Shit. Tell me what it stands for right now. Oh, hang on, hang on, hang on. Oh, um. You don't think too hard. Say what we as kids said. Drugs are really evil. Drugs are really evil. <laughs> Drugs are Hell really yeah, evil. Dude. Hell yeah! Not a single kid in the dare program knew what it stood for. So we all said drugs are really evil. But isn't it drug abuse resistance education? Yes, it is. It is drug abuse resistance education. That Very just came to me. That just came I'm to me. I'm so freaking proud of you. Can you tell me who the mascot was? It was a lion. Yes, it was. Yeah. Do you know his name? Dare Bear. Darren. It was a Darren. Yeah. <laughs> I like Dare Bear better. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to tell you about the dare program. Is wait is there okay is there like a lot of uh, like bullshit going on with it because that's what I'm hoping you're gonna tell me you're gonna be pleased I'm gonna be pleased you're gonna be pleased so yes the Dare program was founded in 1983 mm-hmm. by LAPD Chief Daryl Gates as a drug resistance education program for elementary school students. God, it was the worst in school. Gates had the idea after noticing the steady increase in the number of drug busts happening on school campuses. Gates told the LA Times in a 1993 interview, quote, we had buy programs in the schools where undercover officers would buy drugs from students. We kept buying more and more. It was appalling, depressing. I finally said, this is crazy. We've got to do something. So the idea behind the new program was to shift the focus away from punishment and more toward preventative education. Okay. So, pretty good intentions for Oh, the yeah, beginning. totally. So, Dr. Ruth Rich was called in for, uh, what is the word? Correspondence. Okay. She was the health education curriculum administrator for the LA Unified School District. And she was put in charge of selecting the curriculum for this program. Oh, so, like, they wrote it together? Yeah, so basically basically Chief Gates was like, I want to do this thing. And then he reached out to Dr. Rich, 
and he was like, because she's she's the health education administrator. Mm -hmm. So anything having to do with health ed in that school district, she had to have a hand in. Right. So she was put in charge of designing the curriculum. Okay. Um, So they she made sure to make it as like boring and (laughs) wait wait for it. Okay. Uh So, they're coloring books. And <laughs> so there was research already being done at the time on drug prevention education. And this was under the name SMART. So oh, they had a different acronym. This was a different program. Oh. So there was one already happening. Okay. It was a, a research program called SMART. It meant Self-Management and Responsibility Training Program. Um, Rich was prepared to borrow from their research. Okay. Uh, But Chief Gates is the one that made the decision that he wanted to have this new D.A.R.E. program taught by police officers instead of doctors or teachers. Not because they knew extensively about drug use, how it affects the body, or child psychology, things that would be important in this sort of education, education, uh, but because they were more familiar with criminal culture. Because back in the early 80s, drug use equaled criminal Oh, of course. If you smoked weed, you're clearly a demon from hell. Like, <laughs> so wait, hang on. Can I just real quick? That that goes against everything he's going for. Because police are viewed as like you get punished. Like when you get arrested, you get punished. Mm-hmm. But his goal is to not focus on punishment. So so you've, you're getting a mixed signal there. Yeah, you've you've touched on this before. I was I I have this later on. But oh, I'll, do you? I'll bring it up now also to kind of discuss with you the goal of the program was to focus less on punishment after the fact and more on preventative education right however by having police officers do it education became an afterthought and while they were educating the the vibe was scare tactic was scare tactic yeah for sure because it's, it's intimidating to have a cop in an elementary school classroom. It's just like so, mm-hmm. it's such a weird sight and feeling when you're a kid. Mm-hmm. So Dr. Rich agreed with Gates' sentiment about having the police officers teach. Uh, she said in an LA Times interview, quote, There's a gap between the street and the classroom. Police officers are believable on this subject. When it comes to drugs, they're more credible than a teacher. Because they arrest people who do them. I mean, I I get it. I get it, but I, you know, I don't agree with the sentiment, for sure. Yeah. And wait for it, because maybe it wasn't the greatest idea. So What? Meanwhile, (laughs) the developers of SMART, Mm -hmm. the program that they basically were taking their curriculum from. Right. uh, They had serious objections to handing an experimental educational program over to the local police instead of professionals. Yeah. Because of this difference of opinion, Andy Johnson, the head of SMART's research team, removed himself from being associated with D.A.R.E. And so without his oversight, Dr. Rich took the carefully constructed SMART program and patterned her own off of it, combining the two main versions of SMART. So SMART had two versions. They had two classes, basically. Okay. And this was carefully researched. But Andy Johnson, the head of research, didn't want to be associated with D.A.R.E. after they said that they were going to have police officers teach it. Because he and just so, thought it was dumb, I'm sure. Yeah. And so Dr. Rich was like, okay, well, I'm just going to, without your opinion or your oversight, I'll just take what you've done and I'll 
I'll mash it together. So the two different types of smart education were there was one that focused on developing personal goals and self-esteem. Okay. And another one that focused on resisting things like peer pressure and advertisements. Now yeah, here, and, and having them ordered like that, I feel like is important is like you want to build up mm-hmm. your self-esteem, therefore making it easier to resist peer pressure because peer pressure is literally like poking at you being like, hey, be more like us. Mm-hmm. Who you are is boring. Be more like us. Exactly. Yeah. So think about what I just told you about how, how Dare went about getting their curriculum. I'm thinking about it. So I'm, I'm upset. Here's how the official Dare website delivers this information. Because they have a history tab. Oh, no. So here's verbatim from their history tab. Quote, Because few drug prevention curricula were available for schools to adopt at that time, Dr. Ruth Rich, Health Education Curriculum Administrator for the LAUSD, developed the original 17-lesson elementary school D.A.R.E. curriculum. The new curriculum, based upon prevailing prevention science at the time, emphasized teaching specific information about specific drugs and their negative effects. That's bullshit. Uh Uh-huh. They full-on lied. What? So... When the D.A.R.E. program launched in September of 1983, LAPD officers entered classrooms and taught kids about the dangers of substance. Sorry. So when the D.A.R.E. program launched in September 1983, LAPD officers entered classrooms and taught kids about the dangers of substance abuse, boosted their self-esteem, and helped them practice just saying no. Just say no. Long-winded lectures about the effects and consequences of drug use were presented to middle school kids. You can imagine how well that went. Yeah. Then it became more interactive. Better for the kids. The officer would ask a volunteer middle school kid if they wanted to come smoke crack out by the bleachers. (laughs) The kid would respond with their rehearsed, No thanks, I've got to go do homework. (laughs) And then the officer, impressed with how well the kid was doing, would up the peer pressure and say, Come on, kid, don't you want to be cool? And the child, well-trained, would bite back with, Not doing drugs is cool. (laughs) These were actual phrases that middle school children were taught to use. (laughs) And that just gets you... Like, if they're actually in that situation and they use that script... I feel like they're going to make it worse for themselves. Don't you think? I feel like it's just embarrassing. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I remember having Just Say No stickers. Do you remember those? Yeah. They, yeah. Were, they were red and white. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they looked like an I Just Voted sticker. So uh, the student would return to their desk and the officer would talk to the class about what they did right and use them as example, thereby boosting their confidence. So okay. that's where the self-esteem thing came in. It was basically, hey, kid, if anyone ever asks you, you say these three lines. The kid would say those lines in front of the class and the officer would be like, that kid did such a good job. Everyone praised that kid. Wow. Let's boost this kid's self-esteem because he said the words I told him to say. Yep. In that so, exact <laughs> word of mouth and parents loving the idea of this caused the D.A.R.E. program to spread out from local schools. So at this time, it was still in just local schools. And this was in L.A.? In L.A., okay. in 1983. Yeah. In 1984, D.A.R.E. created a full-on middle school program. So they, like, branched out. Mm-hmm. By 1989, they introduced a high school curriculum. 
And by the mid-90s, it was a national organization with multi-million dollar annual revenue. How are they making money? So it spread by word of mouth and by parents really liking the idea. Yeah, not knowing what was actually happening in the classroom. They just... It was just drug resistance. They, they knew, I think they probably knew, like, their kids would come home and say what they did in class. But it was so early on, no one knew if it was going to work. Right. So, in 1986, still early on in D.A.R.E.'s existence, the National Institute of Justice reported that the program only had short-term results. This was three years into the program. Uh-huh. It only had sh- short-term results. So, D.A.R.E. was so popular, however... That while drawing criticism from the scientific community about its effectiveness, D.A.R.E. earned National Institute of Justice funding as a result of the study. Because the study found that it was short-term, so they funded them to try and make it long-term. Right. How did they know it was short-term? Were they, like, trying to track certain kids as they graduated middle school? Mm -hmm. But They They basically had... And there are, like... I want to say hundreds. Oh, hell, if I'm exaggerating, sure. But there were hundreds of studies about D.A.R.E. over the years. Since they started, yeah. Yeah, and most of them used the controlled... Like, they would follow a a control group of kids Mm -hmm. and a group of D.A.R.E. graduates. Okay. And they would compare the statistics between those groups of drug use and substance abuse and... Alcoholism and, uh, and tobacco like, use and right. stuff like that. And I'm guessing they found that the kids that weren't in the D.A.R.E. program probably started earlier, right? I will get to that. Oh, okay. Sorry, so, didn't mean to jump in. No worries. So um, they got funding from the NIJ. Congress passed the Drug-Free Schools and Communities Act of 1986, which set aside 10% of state grants to governors for police-staffed in-school drug drug education programs, and mentions D.A.R.E. by name. So 10% of state grants to governors were given to funding D.A.R.E. Just D.A.R.E. Yeah. So that's where they got all their money. Uh, yeah. But and they, they didn't, were they focused on, were there any other programs? Their other programs started springing up here and there. Okay. Um, but D.A.R.E. was the biggest by far. Right. So they also won a $140,000 grant from the Department of Justice to expand the program to a national level. So this is why us kids in PA got to hear the infamous pizza story in grade school. Oh, God, I hated that pizza I story. may or may not revisit the pizza story. I haven't decided Still yet. <laughs> I, if you're not, I will, because that was the, when you said dare, that was the first thing I thought about was that fucking okay, we will, story. We will revisit the pizza story at the end of the episode. If it wasn't Stay obvious, tuned. Maria and I uh, took dare together, <laughs> unwillingly. <laughs> Stay tuned. So, like that, dare became a national, nationally funded movement. In 1988, U.S. presidents started recognizing National D.A.R.E. Day, a practice that continued into the Obama administration. It, by 1992, the Drug-Free Schools and Communities Act money accounted for almost $10 million nationally. And by 1995, D.A.R.E. estimated its own costs at $200 million. So here's where it gets fun, because I'm... You've already answered this because you're so passionate, but I'm about to ask you the question that's been on every D.A.R.E. graduate's mind at one time or another. Did this actually work? No! 
The official answer is a resounding no. No! No, it did not. So, D.A.R.E. persisted for many years in spite of scientific research. This is a quote, I think, directly from a live science article that I will bibliography at the end. Bibliography. So, quote, In 1992, a study conducted at Indiana University showed that graduates of the D.A.R.E. program subsequently had significantly higher rates of hallucinogenic hallucinogenic drug use than those not exposed to the program. Maybe they shouldn't have told fifth graders that hallucinogens exist. That's what I was just about to say. It's like, they don't, they don't know that these kind of drugs even exist. Mm-hmm. And as soon as you tell them about it, they get curious and they want to know. Exactly. Curious, curiosity is the one of the biggest components of Why? the failure of D.A.R.E. Yeah. So uh, every subsequent study on the effectiveness of D.A.R.E., including a major 10-year investigation by the American Psychological Association, found much the same result. The program doesn't work and, in fact, is counterproductive, leading to higher drug use among high school students who went through it compared to the students who did not. Because of those studies, D.A.R.E. lost federal funding in 1998. But they were still around because we took D.A.R.E. in, in the, the early 2000s. 2000s. Yeah. yeah. So, which is interesting. When, once we get to the timeline and it gets up to the 2000s, it's really interesting because, spoilers, they were basically falling through debt as we were in it. Really? Yeah. So even the heavily researched SMART program. So I, I mentioned this already, right? Mm-hmm. They, the SMART program has been doing the research... Dare takes from them and makes it worse. Yeah. And then we find out years later, because with studies like this and with programs like this, where you are educating children, you can't know the effects of your education until years later if they do or do not do drugs. Right. So even the heavily researched SMART program that Dare was based off of had early versions of the SMART program that didn't work. Oh, so SMART wasn't even effective either. Yeah, so a few years after D.A.R.E. started, uh, USC researchers made the alarming discovery that their original program did not work as intended. In fact, some early versions had even been proven to show that participation correlated to higher rates of drug use. Andy Johnson and Bill Hansen, the head researchers at SMART, Mm -hmm. Andy Johnson is the one that kind of stepped back yeah so andy and bill the head researchers at smart reached out to dare after realizing this to help them revise their curriculum that was proven to be based off of something that didn't work but dare rejected their advice (laughs) of course they did because they were too popular see the parents think that we're the bomb and we are we'll get to the parents (laughs) so hansen said he's still one of the head researchers right uh quote What they took was the prototype. We went through 30 versions of the curriculum. So a lot of the stuff they lifted was antiquated in our view. Huh? The problem was that to a lot of people, it seemed like common sense that D.A.R.E. would just work. Like, to to the common lay people, it was like, oh, our kids are taking a a drug resistance education program? Great. They won't do drugs. (laughs) It was just common sense that it would work. They didn't, like, think about... How it may not work. Yeah. They just heard the title. So everyone believed that if you... This is a quote, by the way, um, from Frank Peguros, the current president and CEO of Dare America, which is what it became eventually. Dare America. is Dare still around? 
We'll get to that. Oh, God. I'm jumping ahead so much right <laughs> You now. are. Uh, so, quote, everyone believed that if you just told students how harmful these substances and behaviors were, they'd stay away from them. Because kids listen, right? Yeah. <laughs> Wait, is that the quote? Because kids listen, No, right? that's, 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 that's Maria ad-libbing. So... <laughs> So the reasons for D.A.R.E.'s failure are summed up by the words of the psychologist William Coulson, who in 1998 argued that D.A.R.E. increased drug awareness so that, quote, as they get a little older, students become very curious about these drugs that they learned about from police officers. Yeah. They were, in a way, inadvertently... Sorry. I wrote this whole paragraph, so I'm like, uh-oh, time to get cringy. Yeah. <laughs> they were, in a way, inadvertently showing kids that, yeah, saying no is cool, I guess. But that cop sure mentioned a lot of cool stuff, and he told me to stay away from drug dealers, but, like, now I know where to find drug dealers. <laughs> and those cigarettes sure sound like they're terrible, and that police officer said they have Windex in them, but my parents smoke, so, like, now I wonder what they taste like. And I use Windex. so you may be wondering why was dare allowed to continue practicing its flawed curriculum because they were so popular exactly one legislator on the condition that his name not be used so this is an anonymous legislator told the new york times in 2004 quote we suspect there we suspect that there are gaping holes in the program and that it may not be cost effective but legislators are politicians. No one's going to risk their political future by doing anything other than standing with the parents. Parents oh, vote. Oh, okay. So legislation realized this is not effective. But the parents like it, and the parents are the ones voting. It's just, it's just so pointing we'll it around. at how corrupt politics are, oh, like, overall. It's all about... Staying in power. Mm -hmm. But, like, what's the fucking point of staying in power if you're not going to change what's bad? I know I'm preaching to the choir, I'm sure. (laughs) I'm so mad. Because it's just, like, what's going on right now? Mm -hmm. Sorry, continue. I'm upset. It's okay. So, on the topic of parents, I decided to ask my mom what she thought of this. Oh, really? Yeah. So, um... Oh. Do you want to come in, Artemis? Do you want to hear about drugs? Armis, do you want to be our anti-dare mascot? Hey, baby. Hey, baby. Baby, baby. So, so I decided to ask my mom what she thought of this. Mm -hmm. As someone who had three children go through the dare program, was she super into it? Did she have doubts? Or did she just not think too hard about it? Mm -hmm. Um, Long conversation, short. She had faith in how she raised us. It never really occurred to her. So it was kind of like, my kids are going through this program, but also they're my kids. So she yeah. didn't think about it too much. And you guys, like, the three of you really weren't into... The, we're good kids. Yeah, like, you guys are... You never really got into alcohol or drugs, really. Yeah. So... Boop, boop, boop. Yeah. So I told her, I, of course, because my mom is educated and she's... <laughs> I like having educated conversations with her. So I, I ended up going on a spiel, basically, giving her the, the quick version of everything I've told you so far. Okay. So a preemptive episode. Yeah. So um, I told her about how D.A.R.E. was objectively ineffective, how they effectively stole from the SMART program, and how the biggest change they made was having police officers do the educating. Mm-hmm. She remarked on how this change subconsciously turned the desired goal of education over to enforcement. 
less of how these substances affect one's body and more about the threat of jail time or death. Yeah, we talked about that already. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that like that's that's sort of what my mom jumped at of like mm-hmm. having officers in there instead of doctors or teachers. It's less about here's how these drugs affect your body and the negative effects to therefore deter and more so the cops are here and they're going to tell you how if you do drugs you'll go to jail or die. Yeah. And not going to lie, like, when I think about it, sitting through those stair programs, like, it felt like I was preemptively getting arrested for something I didn't do yet. Yeah, it was, it was a not very... Not that I got arrested. It was a very... so we know. <laughs> it was a very hostile environment in that grade school classroom. Yeah, it was. Oh, Artie. Artie is really trying to get on top of your mic. Please stop. I mean, if you need to say something, just say it. <laughs> Say it to the mic, Just Artie. Say it here. Come here. <laughs> okay, so this is another quote directly from the Live Science article. Throughout the 90s, national leaders of the program resisted the scientific findings. In some cases, even tried to bribe academic journals not to publish them. Oh. Program leaders told the press that strong public support for DARE was a better indicator of its success than any hard numbers. They also claimed that the program improves the relationship between youths and law enforcement. I don't agree. So basically the entire scientific community was doing these studies and realizing that D.A.R.E. doesn't work and you're actually doing more harm than good. And D.A.R.E. officials were like, you you just hate us because you ain't us. (laughs) Like, you know what this reminds me of? Our president pointing out how, you know, countries that don't test for coronavirus they they have less cases so we should stop testing so we will have less cases dare would often combat reviews by saying the curriculum was changing too fast for any of those old research results to be relevant yeah i'm sure they switched it up every time so dare officials when challenged with the statistics would tell newspapers that they didn't have any statistics because their strongest numbers would be the ones not showing up (laughs) (laughs) can you say that over time dare officials when challenged with the statistics the scientific statistics would tell newspapers that they didn't have any statistics to combat that because their strongest numbers were the ones that would not show up we have proof we're just not gonna give it to you no they don't have proof we don't have proof because there's no proof to be given. It's just working. I can't give you the numbers of kids that this is successful with because they're not getting arrested. So we don't have those numbers. We don't know. <laughs> I don't know. They're We're not, not looking into the kids that do get into trouble. We're just, you know, just, I'm sure there's a lot that aren't, right? They've got to be out there. They've got to be out there. <laughs> I'm Darren the Lion. <laughs> <laughs> don't dare the Lion. I'm a dare executive and I think that... Dare's is so popular that obviously that's more credible than anything the scientific community could tell me. They don't know what they're talking about. They don't know what they're talking about. Popularity overshadows fact. So one study by the Research Triangle Institute in 1994 concluded a study announcing that Dare had no measurable effect on substance abuse and that other programs seemed to do better. So by 1994, there were other programs. Yay! Doing much better than D.A.R.E. was. Obviously. D.A.R.E. was capable of improving. What's going on? 
She's so antsy. Are you are you upset because Dare was capable of improving, but they refused to? She's definitely upset about that. She's mostly upset because Dare's mascot is of her species, and she, you know, that's a bad representation. Ashamed. <laughs> um, Poor cats. Yeah, they were capable of improving, but they refused to. Because they were just so convinced mm-hmm. that their way was the right way. So Dare's, this is a quote from the study that the Research Triangle Institute did um, from their conclusion. This is a direct quote. Okay. Dare's limited influence on adolescent drug use behavior contrasts with the program's popularity and prevalence. An important implication is that Dare could be taking the place of other, more beneficial drug use curricula that adolescents could be receiving. Just a, a ridiculous number of kids were missing out on getting the better education because dare was so popular you know what that's like what's that like people hate your face (laughs) people believing that potassium (laughs) bananas more than it comes from avocados number 12 on the list you guys (laughs) you hear your whole life that bananas have the most potassium and it's so popular that you can't dispute it Except that you can. You totally can. Lima, lima beans. Lima beans have more potassium than a banana does. Lima beans! Okay, anyway, so. Still yeah. upset. They're <laughs> not over it. <laughs> I love you so much. <laughs> uh, so there was some evidence that it temporarily improved students' self-esteem or gave them negative attitudes towards drugs. Um, but there wasn't any evidence that it actually had an effect on the behavior it was supposed to target. Which was... It was supposed to deter kids from experimentation, basically. Yeah. There was some evidence that it it made kids temporarily feel negatively toward drugs. Mm-hmm. But nothing supported that it was what it was supposed from... to be doing. Right, yeah. yeah. So, like, that's, that's the, the first part of that is true of me. I was really, I was into the drug, the, not the drug, I the was dare, into the drug. I was into the D.A.R.E. program at the time. I was very, like... Dude, you were... I was really into it, to the point where all of my friends who are cooler than me and were (laughs) in college being like, Maria, calm the fuck down. I was still kind of annoying. Um, (laughs) And I'm sorry, but... (laughs) Well, hang on. Like, there's nothing wrong with... There's nothing wrong with being against drugs. Like, you, you shouldn't do drugs. That's, I mean, that's what everyone knows, right? There's nothing wrong with that. But... My question for you is, like, was was the reason you were so against drugs because you were scared of the repercussions? Like, why why were you so into it? Um, I, I didn't fall for the scare tactic of police officers. I wasn't afraid of jail time or death. Okay. Uh, it was partially for me that good old Catholic guilt that I was raised with. Ah, I'm familiar. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm familiar. <laughs> um, but also just like my mom said, like I was, I was raised a certain way. And so the D.A.R.E. program at the time for me basically just revamped what I was sort of already believing. And right. I kind of held on to it for so long because it felt like a moral thing. And I, I'm... I want to say I was, but I kind of still am a very moral person. Oh, yeah. So it didn't occur to me until later on that it's not a moral issue so much. Yeah. So now I'm chill. I was less chill 
back when I thought that it was, like, a moral issue. Dude, in our D.A.R.E. program, they literally had us grade schoolers sign contracts saying, like, I promise I will never smoke. I held that contract in high esteem. You did, and you, like... I would reference it in college. You would. And I remember, the reason I brought this up is because I'm remembering something that you had, you went through, like, a traumatic experience because of this contract. Like, when you guys, when you turned 18, like, a lot of our friends went to the hookah bar, which you technically smoke at. And I remember you telling me about how you went, and it was your first time going to a hookah bar, and everyone's like, hey, you don't have to do it, but, like, you know, this is the fun thing we're doing. Yeah, just, just being there. And hookah, it's it's literally, like, water, and the the only bad thing about it is tobacco. And I was in there trying to have a good time with friends, and I ended up going into the bathroom and having a panic attack. Because you were about to break this contract that you signed. Because I was about signed. to break this piece of parchment paper grade school dare program contract that saying that I would like never 11. ingest tobacco. Yeah. And I I was a little pussy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but now hookahs are cool. Now hookahs are cool. <laughs> I'm, I've, I'm, I've gone through quite an evolution when it comes to the dare program. <laughs> it's, it's definitely an interesting one. Yeah. Because you don't, you don't do drugs. Like, you've never really done drugs. Yeah. Either. So it's... It, I don't think dare's the reason you didn't do drugs. I think that's just who you are as a person. Yeah. I I have a th- this don't take this to heart. Like I'm not judging literally anyone ever, but my thing with it is like I I am capable and proud of myself when I can have a good time without needing anything to help me have a good time. Any outside forces. Yeah. yeah. So like I which I I drink, but like I'll casually have, like, a cider. I don't get drunk. Right. Yeah, Because I don't feel the need or desire to. Because I'm like, if I'm with friends, I'm having a good time, and I don't need anything to help that. And it's not, it's not entirely I don't need anything to help that. It's more so if I'm having a good time and I am mostly sober, I'm really proud of myself for having a good time. Because I'm an introvert and I have anxiety, and I sometimes find it really hard to have a good time so if i'm having a good time and i didn't need outside help i'm really proud of myself so that's partially why i like i don't look for that kind of stuff because i feel like i don't i don't want to need it eventually yeah and i'm honestly as your friend like i'm proud of you for that thanks that's something that i struggle with i feel the pressure to like get drunk as fast as possible like I don't understand that. I personally, especially with like with college parties where people would show up and they would they would blatantly say, "My goal tonight is to get blackout drunk and not remember it tomorrow." It's like, then why are you having a good time? What? Well, yeah, like, it's I I don't understand that because I like waking up the next morning remembering how much fun I had. Yeah, and remembering all the ridiculous jokes that were probably made and yeah. Like, all the silly things you may have done or said by accident. Like, it's... Yeah. Yeah. A lot wow. of the time, I'm... <laughs> Sorry, I'm just my elbow. <laughs> a lot of the time, I'm reminding people of the funny things they did. Because yeah. they don't remember. And it's like, dude, you were, like, on the table, like, doing a headstand. You were, like, breakdancing on our dining room table. <laughs> How do you not remember this? And is it's it like, oh, hurt? is that why I have a bruise? It's like, yeah, dude. <laughs> so, in 2000... Dare lost into the year, year 2000. 2000. Dare lost its government funding because it sucks. 
The scientific community was better. <laughs> Vendere. Vendere. <laughs> That's my Nick Jonas riff. Anyway, so in 2000, Dare lost its government funding. Thank you for liking it. Uh, <laughs> Dare. Thumbs up. Dare was evaluated by the Government Accountability Office, the GAO, GAO. which is a federal watchdog on government spending of taxpayer money. Oh, good. I didn't good that... thing we have that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So. I mean, it, tax money is still art. It's still fucked up. It's even still having an issue, that. The, the GOA is like, they're, they're the trying. ones that are trying to keep an eye on that. So the GOA's interest in D.A.R.E. was obvious. D.A.R.E. was funded with federal, state, and local taxes. They're getting so much money. In 2003, D.A.R.E.'s cost was estimated at between $200 million and $2 billion of taxpayer money. So they evaluated the GOA. They evaluated six different long-term evaluations. These were studies that looked at kids five to ten years after taking part in the D.A.R.E. program. So they kept an eye on these kids for mm-hmm. five to ten years after they became D.A.R.E. graduates. <laughs> oh, God damn it! I meant to wear my D.A.R.E. graduate pin. I have an enamel pin that says D.A.R.E. graduate. I meant to wear it. I'm so upset. I do too, and I don't oh, know where it is. <laughs> shit. It's, I, I, I just like found all of my enamel pins to put them on my pin board. Oh my gosh. Oh, I'm so upset that I'm not wearing it. Shit. Okay, so it was six different studies. Mm-hmm. All six of these studies that took place over five to ten years, all six of them found no significant differences in illicit drug use between the D.A.R.E. group and the control group. Five of those six reported on students' attitudes towards drugs, and all five of those found Artemis trying to get out of the room. But they also found... (laughs) Um, no significant differences between the groups over the long term. So D.A.R.E. was... Well, so from that study, they're saying D.A.R.E. is ineffective, but it... I guess they didn't find that it made it worse. Because before you were saying D.A.R.E. made it worse. So there's this thing called the boomerang effect, and quite a few studies found that the boomerang effect was happening, wherein D.A.R.E. was trying to educate kids to stay away from drugs, and it thereby increased their interest in drugs. Because now they know what drugs are when they didn't before. Other studies found no significant difference between the control group and the D.A.R.E. group, but a lot of those were in similar, like, socioeconomic locations. Oh, okay. So that could also be some correlation. Okay, yeah. So Because in, like, um, like if, more impoverished yeah. communities... So if yeah. you're being tame about it, you can safely say D.A.R.E. had no significant effect on children. If you are petty about it, like we are, you could also effectively say that D.A.R.E. actually made drug use higher, like higher rates happen. So it depends on how aggressive you want to be about it. But you're basically right either way. Either way, D.A.R.E. is ineffective. Yes. So Rocky Anderson, as mayor of Salt Lake City, famously called the program a fraud on the people of America. No. Dare was dying and in 2001 suddenly became serious about reform and needing the scientific community's help. Oh. <laughs> However, despite their efforts, by 2010, Dare's revenue was down to 3.7 million from its previous 10 million in 2002. Wow, they're like struggling here. 
it plunged into debt in 2009 and 2010. That is shortly after we were there. Yes. Yeah. So Jenna and I, we went to grade school together. We went to high school together. We went to college together. We're hanging out together. It's, this is a thing. I can't get her to leave me alone. I literally, (laughs) I chose my high school based on where she was going. Did you Um, really? Yeah. You're my only friend. Obviously. (laughs) God. You know what? I think if you had gone to Prendia, it would have been really sad. I'm going (laughs) to lie. So we, in grade school together, we were... We took part in the D.A.R.E. program during its decline of funding. Yeah. So After they asked for the scientists' help, no, I guess. Uh, no. Before, right? Because you said 2001. I think we... 2001, we in, they started be, trying to become more serious yeah, about it. Yeah. And I think we were in the program around, like, 2006? Probably. It's, like, fifth and sixth grade. So how... What year was that? Okay. If we graduated in 10... From eighth grade, we would have so, done it in 2000, like 2007-ish. Yeah, 2007. Yeah. So when we were in it, it was in its decline. Yeah. So D.A.R.E. as we know it died in 2010. Officially. Officially dead. Basically. Basically. So today's D.A.R.E. is different. I'm so mad D.A.R.E. is still even in existence. Today's D.A.R.E. Here's the thing. Today's D.A.R.E. is actually much better. Um, we is have it? We have yet to see how effective it is because it... I mean, it's just, only been ten years. It kind of it just launched in two thousand eleven, so it's only yeah. it's only been nine years. Um, and if anyone's interested, I can do a a mini episode later on about the new dare. Oh, how it's if going. you want, okay. but um, today's dare promotes an educational program that has a stamp of approval from the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration. The replacement program, titled "Keeping It Real," shut the fuck up. That's they not went from called. dare to keeping it real. <laughs> what? So the new program. Oh my god. Keeping it real <laughs> launched in 2011. Suddenly, <laughs> dare's a cool surfer, dude. It's developers skater dude. Skater dude. My bad. <laughs> yeah, they're they're not similar at all. Its developers say that it is quote not an anti drug program like dare was, but is more centered on decision making skills. Quote, things like being honest and safe and responsible. Unlike D.A.R.E., it has been demonstrated in a handful of studies to actually reduce the risk of drug abuse by not focusing solely on drugs. Wow. Do, I'm sorry if you're going to get to this, but who teaches the class now? Is it still taught by officers? Um, the current D.A.R.E. Keeping It Real program does still use officers. However, they have greatly reformed the curriculum. Okay. Um, there is a non-DARE version of Keeping It Real, and that is for educators, counselors, and others who work in youth organizations, and it is not intended for police officers or DARE officers to teach. So it's kind of like an adjacent DARE handbook or Keeping It Real handbook for, like, camp counselors and such? Sort of, yeah. Okay. Um, and then there are also, uh, there's another program called GREAT, uh, also an acronym, and I can't tell you what it stands for right now i'm sorry um but that is also taught by police officers um but that targets uh teaching kids to stay out of gangs oh yeah so sometimes sometimes i forget that gangs are a thing still yeah are still kind of big just goes to show how much i don't actually know (laughs) about the world so here's a quote regarding the new keeping it real program keep it real The reports from students who completed Keeping It Real 
indicated that they sampled these substances less than those in a control group and used a wider variety of strategies to stay sober. Their anti-drug attitudes were also more likely to stick over time. Huh. I wonder, I mean, besides not using scare tactics, but I wonder what exactly they did differently to get kids to make better decisions. Like It wasn't, the, the biggest difference is that it is no longer, here. this is what drugs are, and this is why they're bad, and it is now, here's how you can make healthy decisions. So you're not, yeah. Okay, you're not yeah. hyper-focusing on drugs. They're so not you're not peaking the curiosity. Yeah, that's got to be why it's effective. Yeah. Sorry, continue. That's okay. This this is my final sentiment before we get to the infamous pizza story. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I'm ready to relive this. <laughs> so there is only one, this is a, a quote directly from the Live Science article. And that article is actually, it's titled, was dare effective and it was written by natalie wolkover it was my main source and i loved this quote so much that i'm just going to use it right out of there i hope that's okay with you natalie um but this is also how she closed her article quote there's one thing the dare program definitely did do right we all got a lot of wear out of those t-shirts but then again who knows what psychological impact that graffiti style red on black had Trail! Right? Because Dare merch is cool looking. It is also, cool looking. This is, this is Maria. Uh, not to mention that millennials especially, we love irony. So the amount of potheads wearing Dare merch. True. Like, it's like pictures on... The, the main picture in this article was a kid smoking a bowl wearing a Dare shirt. <laughs> I think he was holding a gun too. Like irony. It, it just encompasses a generation. Dare's merch sales are like all going to people who wear them ironically. Yeah. And I kind of love that. It's <laughs> <laughs> like a big old middle finger to the D.A.R.E. program. I loved that. I loved that. Oh my God. And you have me so amped because I'm seeing so many similarities to like how D.A.R.E. was flourishing, like to the problems that we're having now in regards to the coronavirus and the Black Lives Matter movement. It's just like the corruption is controlling everything mm-hmm. and it's it it's so frustrating but this was a nice outlet because now i know that a it's there's pretty much gone slash better it kind of gives me hope the dare as we know it as as we knew millennials it. Yeah. straddling the line of gen z the dare that we knew is dead thank god yeah <laughs> all right uh so who's telling the pizza story you're i me. i didn't bother writing it down because i figured i would just sort of say what i remember about it i there's <sighs> Like, two things I remember vividly about this story. So, part quick, though. You know what's funny about this story? What? It has nothing to do with drugs. It was literally someone in our class saying, to asking the police officer, what was your most gruesome story? And the officer- what, Is that what made that's, it happen? That's why he told the story, was because someone asked him, yeah, like, what, what the most disgusting case was or something like that, I or, like, the most disturbing case- I yeah. fully believed that the pizza in question was a drug user. No. Wow. Okay. So At least this not is that not, I remember anyway. I wow. I've gone my entire life thinking that this is a story that every person that has ever been in the Dare program has heard. No, it's just that officer. Wow. It's not an infamous pizza story. It's just a pizza story that me and you heard. Yeah. Oh my god. Well, only infamous to prepare kids to that be went scarred, to you guys. Yeah. So, I was about to say that 
this was one of those fear tactic things that a police officer used, but, but I guess it wasn't. So <laughs> It's just something that emotionally scarred us. I, I have faith that if I give the bullet points, Jenna will probably be able to flesh out this story. So, this is a story that a police officer told a room full of grade schoolers. Yeah, like <laughs> fifth grade, so like ten years old. Yeah, so there was a call into dispatch about a house smelling really bad, I believe. And so these officers were dispatched to investigate. They entered the house, and I believe the officer described it as a a pungent smell, and he was super confused because all of the walls were black and moving. And then he said that, no, the walls weren't black and moving. They were coated in flies. Mm-hmm. So already it's a horror story. A room full of flies and maggots. So just walls painted black in squirming flies <laughs> is how we open this tale. So <laughs> the officers make their way upstairs following the source of the, the smell. putrid smell. And they go into the bathroom where they find a person or what is left of a person in the bathtub and this person had been in the water for so long that it would would jen do you think skin sloughing would be a good way to describe it it's the worst way to describe it basically i mean i mean it's the best way to describe it so much fucking hate it waterlogged shriveling had happened to this poor human being that died in a bathtub that died in a bathtub that uh, their skin looked like, and here's where it gets fun. If you've ever eaten a slice of like regular pizza with like tomato sauce, um, if you have ever held it by the crust and removed the cheese and looked at the underside of the cheese, a room full of grade schoolers was told that that is what this person looked like. Just, just unders un- pizza underside cheese. Underside pizza cheese. And I couldn't eat pizza for years without thinking about that. And I was a strange child who ate food in strange ways. And I would, before hearing the story, usually peel the cheese off of my pizza. Um, You eat a lot of food weird, but yeah. And I think I continued to do that because I knew how much it bothered people after hearing the story. (laughs) Pretty sure In my grade school cafeteria, I would peel the cheese off of my pizza and be like, guys, look, it's that guy from the story that the cop told us. And we'd be like, Maria, shut the fuck up. And then I would eat it. (laughs) Oh, like, I forgot about that. I'm mad at you now. I'm actually, like, pissed off at you now for doing that. I'm sorry. My my stomach was doing flips the more he told that story. And then he hit, like, the skin looking like pizza. I'm, I, I imagine just imagine seeing a corpse and your brain immediately going to pizza. He said that that's exactly where his brain went. That was a weird guy. Do we know who he was? I'm sure I could find out. <laughs> I, I bet you ten bucks. My dad knows. Oh, almost definitely. I mean, my dad knows fucking everyone. <laughs> my dad knew our banker <laughs> that Matt and I went to recently. <laughs> okay, cool. Anyway, fuck, dude. Sorry for the nightmares. But, um... We did warn you. We did warn you. Let me know. Probably not well, but we did. (laughs) Let me know if... Oh, we didn't warn them at all, actually. 
Um, <laughs> <laughs> We're terrible. I hosts. think the biggest warning was me saying that I thought this was a scare tactic story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you're telling me that Turner just asked a cop, "What's your grossest story?" And the cop was like, "Oh, I've got a good one." <laughs> I mean, I don't know if it was Turner, but it wouldn't surprise me. But yes, that, that's exactly what happened. It was just he. I think he said towards the end of one of the classes. Actually, if I remember correctly, it was. I think it was our last day of dare. Oh, it was definitely our last day of dare. And he just like opened up the floor and said, does anyone have any questions for me about my police officer career? And that was one of the questions was like, I think it was like, what was your most memorable uh, event? Thing. Thing. <laughs> Dispatch, whatever. Like, yeah. And that was the story. He told more, but that was definitely the most gruesome. I don't know if that's true. I, because here's the thing. I've gone my whole life thinking that that was a scare tactic story to keep us from doing drugs. So I fully thought he made that up. But if that's just a story he told to a bunch of kids, it might have been true. And, yeah. Definitely embellished. It may have been embellished. <laughs> I'm sure somewhere in there, the officer was like, and we found drugs. Like, <laughs> Oh, probably. 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 Or like, you know, the... Like, he may have said something to the effect of, like, he died in the bathtub. I, I thought I thought that the death was, was due to an OD. Yeah, I don't I don't remember. Ask your dad if he knows what cop that is, and we'll, we'll interview the cop. Hopefully he didn't die in a bathtub. <laughs> <laughs> we'll interview him. Oh, my God. I don't want to do that. <laughs> no one should. <laughs> no. no. Um. If anything, I want to interview him and ask him, like... Do you think this was effective? Did you even enjoy doing this as a cop? There was, there was in one of the articles, it mentioned that um, when one of the cops that was teaching, because the cops were just like local guys. Yeah, normal cops. Brought in to help out with the D.A.R.E. program. Regardless of their For a little skills. extra pay. Mm-hmm. So a lot of them didn't know the backlash from the scientific community. Like they interviewed one of the cops that taught it. And the cop had been teaching it for 15 years and he, like, they told him about this stuff and he goes, so you're saying I've been doing this wrong for 15 years? Like, he was in shock. Can you imagine? You're, you're thinking, basically... thinking that you're doing something good and then and realizing out. that for, like, you've been basically introducing children to drugs for 15 years straight. Me personally, I would feel so guilty. And here's the thing. I don't remember a single thing from those dare classes except for the pizza story and the contract and the contract that's all i remember that's all i remember and like was the drawing contest part of dare that drawing i made of the druggist jen you're gonna have to go into your house and oh my dig God. through your attic and find that picture in time for me to post it when i'm we not post going to be able to i think i buried it in my attic <sighs> jen drew through this picture recently. she she used to like draw a lot of like manga style art like comic and stuff. there was a competition i think it was held by dare i think it was a dare one. to like draw a an an anti-drugs poster uh-huh. and jen was this the no the swashbuckler was a different thing right that you, was you also a, a dare drawing competition i actually liked that one that was also a dare drawing competition i think i have that one saved somewhere but yeah so the the one that we're talking about the druggist yeah <laughs> jen drew... didn't know what a drug addict was because they taught us what drugs were but they didn't teach us any terminology at all nor did they tell us what dare stood for so <laughs> i mean they did but we didn't remember <laughs> but um drugs jen, are really jen evil. didn't know that someone who does drugs is called a drug addict or a druggie <laughs> or a 
person who uses drugs. A or user. S- or a user. So Jenna captioned her uh, drawing druggist. It was a side-by-side drawing of like, it was like a prim and proper version of myself, realistically. Uh, like like wearing the school uniform and like, look, her hair is, my hair is done. <laughs> and I'm looking good. And the other, the one next to it, it was like, a non-druggist, and then the other one was a druggist, and it was, like, me in shitty clothes, my hair is crazy, and I'm holding a cigarette. (laughs) Minus the cigarette, I am Jenna's depiction of a druggist. Yes! (laughs) Uh, But she also did, like, a swashbuckler, like a a lady pirate. It was me as a pirate. Her parrot was smoking. The parrot on the ship was smoking, and me, the swashbuckler, was fighting a giant you syringe. Were, yeah. <laughs> the you syringe. Were, you were sword fighting with a giant syringe. And the syringe was the sword. And that's the one that won, right? That one won. I actually like that one. I mean, I, I mean, I'm <laughs> not proud not, of not it, the, but like, Not like the message, but I, it was a good drawing. <laughs> honestly, kind like, of the, message. the message is kind of cool. Like, yeah. that's part of why I'm proud of it. You need to find both. I think I have the swashbuckling one At somewhere. least one of them. The swashbuckler's got to be somewhere. I can't promise that the, the druggist one is I, anywhere. You need to, Dude, you need it's to fucking have the buried. One. Like, if you want to help me go through my attic, Jen, I remember when you were moving out of your old house. We were going through stuff. We found that, and I pointed at the druggist and I went, Jen. First of all, what is your grammar? <laughs> Second of all, that's you now. <laughs> that's right. You did say that. You like you turned into the druggist. <laughs> Oh my god, I totally did. <laughs> my hair's a wreck. I wear <laughs> shitty clothing. I don't smoke cigarettes. <laughs> but Well, what a time to be alive. Christ hey, alive. if any of you have any great dare stories, please, please share them with dude, us. I would love to hear. That would be actually amazing. I would love to hear some old stories, some dude, if, like if, you have, story if you have if you have an equivalent of the pizza story. Oh my god, yes. Yeah. Um, any crazy stories your like anything. Dare Cop t-shirt will do? Anything. Um, I'm kind of curious if there, if, I was about to say if there are any parents listening, but we don't have any parents that listen. And I but don't know. If, if any of you want to ask your parent how they felt about the D.A.R.E. program, because I'm personally, like, I, I went downstairs and I asked my mom because I was curious if she was one of the gung-ho parents. You can contact us at WonderBingePod on Instagram and Twitter, and you can email us at WonderBingePod at gmail.com. We would be interested in hearing your stories. If you have any topics you'd like to propose, feel free to reach out. Um, We are now on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Anchor, Spotify, Podcast Addict. You can now uh, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. I believe you can as well on Google Podcasts. And please tell your friends. Yeah, spread the love. Spread the knowledge. Spread bar. Oh. And again, thanks for listening. Thank you. I'm Maria. Bye. <laughs> I'm Jen. Goodbye. Jenna, she's pretty cool, but I think I'm like a little bit cooler. So I just want to say, like, have a good day. Um, drink water. Take your meds. Um, don't do anything that harms yourself or others. This is, this is a message from Wonderbin Pod. Thank you, amen. And don't do drugs. <laughs>